For more resources, visit rymonline.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, We are talking with Julie Lowe all this week about teens and technology, and we've covered a lot of ground uh, discussing on depression, fear of missing out, pornography, addiction. Um, and so today, as we were kind of closing out yesterday, just sharing some of the, your own struggles with trying to raise uh, teenagers in the midst of um, all of the, this uh, new technology, uh, I thought it could be helpful for us to hear just some helpful technology practices that you've implemented in your household. And this, you know, is reminding us that none of us arrive uh, this side of heaven and we're all pilgrims trying to figure this, this thing out together. Uh, so, so what are some things that have been helpful for you and your family? Sure. Uh, well, let me start with, so we've got five teenagers in a house. So we are forced to live this out uh, on a day-to-day basis. And um, I really think you shouldn't, be ant- uh, you shouldn't be formulaic in the way you do this because wisdom says I need to know my children and where they struggle, which means then I'll set up guidelines or boundaries based on the need based on um, what are their temptations and where are they likely to spend their time and how does technology enter into that. So the very first thing is we need to teach stewardship principles with our kids and everything they do. And that means technology. Often what happens is we wait till a child gets to a certain age and then we say, all right, now you're 16 or nah, 12, 10. Now you can have a phone. And what we're leaving out is Do I know my individual child well to know if they have the maturity and the responsibility to handle this piece of equipment that will open them up to a world of good and evil at the same time? And if I do believe they have the maturity and wisdom to handle it, and there's also a need there, then now my next step is I must educate them well and teach them stewardship of of this technology. So for one example, one of our kids has a visual impairment and is losing his vision. His world is technology. We, we would be unloving to not put technology across his path. And he's had it since he, um, since he got diagnosed. So by necessity, here's somebody that needs the technology. And we have, uh, have to balance how to educate him well, how to make sure he's using it maturely and wisely, but it's his lifeline. Then we have other kids in our house where their maturity meant we could trust them um, and they were playing sports or needed it in certain avenues. So maturity and wisdom said, can they handle it? Yes. We had other kids where maturity and wisdom said, no, you probably can't handle this till you're 45. <laughs> um, so as parents, we're not, we often say, um, we don't pick an age and say you get it at a particular age. We're looking for you to demonstrate maturity and self-discipline and good character in your life. And then we'll talk about whether you can have a a, a cell phone is really what I'm thinking as I talk about all this, a cell phone, an iPad. But with those things come, again, we better teach our children how to use them and educate them on the dangers and what information you should give out or not give out. I find parents would be appalled if I wanted to give my 12-year-old the car keys to my car and say, have at it. 
yet they'll give them a piece of technology that can do far more damage in their life than giving them car keys. Why? Because we understand no 12-year-old deserves to have a car. They don't have the maturity, the wisdom of it. And if you are going to give it to them, you certainly better educate them and teach them the rules of the road. Yet we are regularly handing over technology to our kids. We're probably more afraid of our children having pocket knives than we are having cell phones. So what does that tell you about how we're desensitized to what should be appropriate for our children? So that said, I think you can't be formulaic because it means as a parent, I need to know my own children and the benefit to it. Um, and the younger kids have, the more time they have to grow and feeling, um, for lack of a better word, addicted to it as well. So we're expecting children who are still forming developmentally to have the maturity to handle something that that's hard for most of us as adults to handle it. Yeah, and that, that's some good perspective there. Just to to equate it with you know handing them a pocket knife or the keys of the car. Um, sometimes uh, it seems that many parents just think, oh, it's just a harmless piece of technology, and they wouldn't necessarily label it harmless. But when you kind of equate it with a pocket knife and a car. Um, I mean, that, that, that's a sobering reality to think about and, and absolutely, you know, just a helpful perspective for parents uh, to have. So that's, that said, um, not picking an age, but really being wise about knowing your children. But then I think there are really good practices to get in the habit of like not having electronics in the bedroom period. And, um, that's probably hit hard at everybody. I've just said that to, because it's so commonplace to allow them have their cell phones in their room to do homework or to allow them to use them as alarm clocks or to have the laptop or to have an Xbox in their room, you're setting your kids up to fail when you do that. Um, so I, you know, a lot of families, there's freedom. Again, I try to think the rules and the things we establish for our home. I'm not saying everybody should do the same thing. It's our personal conviction. So one for us is no electronics on school nights. And again, there's exceptions. Uh, we have a son who's always on his electronics to do his schoolwork, but no electronics on school night. And the reason we say that personally as a family is our children do go to school. They're not home with us. We work full time. By the time they get home and by the time they go to bed, we at best have them for a solid three hours. And one of the things I said to them is, guys, we love you. We want to see you for those three hours. We don't want you to be sucked up into some... Uh, mindless entertainment or to be hanging out with your friends. We value relationship with you. We want to be with you. Now that would be utterly pointless if then we sat in front of the TV for the three hours together or we were too busy shuffling them off to do something while we did our own thing. There's where parents are held accountable for if that's your value, live it out before your kids. We can't be on our cell phones either. No cell phones over mealtimes. Our kids are allowed to call us on that as much as we can call them. So we're out to eat at a restaurant. They are the first ones to, to point out if we're on our phone <laughs> looking up a movie time or researching something. They're like, ah, get that cell phone away. Um, and that's one of the things we like. We're, we're like, you're right. If we're saying this to you, we should be doing these things too. Um, parents limiting the, the circle uh, put out by Disney is one of the uh, many really good apps that help limit kids' times and give bedtimes on their phones and shut it off or limit. They can be on Facebook or Instagram for a half an hour at a time. So it's not an all or nothing. It's every family has reasons for doing what they do, but generally good practices are to keep the cell phones out of kids' rooms. So everything should be public. Everything should be done in public. It should be an open phone, open technology policy. There shouldn't be anything to hide. 
And if you set that up really young with kids, then it doesn't seem odd. It doesn't seem like an evasion of privacy because what you're teaching, again, are stewardship principles, accountability principles, things that should go both ways to whatever degree it's appropriate in families. Hmm. You, you said so much good stuff there. And I mean, one of the things was just um, the, the parents modeling the same, similar practices uh, to the, the children as well. I mean, especially at, at the dinner table, I, I just think that we're losing so much um, uh, family meal time together, um, you yep. know, in this generation, just with the busyness of the culture. Uh, but then also, you know, when we do gather the table to um, have devices out can, can take away from that. Um, but you also talked about privacy as well. Um, do you, it sounds like you have just an open, I'm trying to think the, the way that you said it, but can you, are, are you able to just pick up your, your children's devices and check through their text messages and uh, yep. everything yeah. else? And can you give some counsel on that? Yeah. Um, open phone policy is what we call it. I think I'm sure I didn't coin that phrase. I'm sure I read it somewhere as well, but open technology. And again, the principle behind it is more important of saying, guys, we all need to be accountable. Like somebody should open up my life on a movie screen and me be able to say, I'm not afraid of what they see. doesn't mean there aren't conversations that are private for me, work privacy, things like that. However, what it means is there's nothing to be ashamed of. My character will be the same regardless of what you open up and see. And that, that helps instill accountability and good practices. Because even if our kids, we trust them implicitly, if they're again being exposed to their peer group, a ton of stuff that gets passed around on a regular basis is just inappropriate, sexualized, graphic. Um, so giving them an accountability helps keep in check even who they're going to invite to be on their social media accounts because they know mom and dad are going to be reading it. Um, so it's a buffer and a way of, of getting them to think before they post things in a helpful way. Um, so we're not, um, we're not on their phones regularly, but they know at any point we can pick them up and check them. Um, some families will keep cell phones in their parents' bedroom at night think that's a good practice that um, they're plugged in the kids can't sneak down in the middle of the night and get them I'm not that suspicious of my kids until they prove me to be so I think they could be down in a generalized area but say you have three kids in your home and two are really trustworthy and the other one's not um, do you keep social media out where they can reach it at night do you put it away where it's not gonna be a temptation for them to think about in the middle of the night um, and again, if you have uh, sites and things like Circle or there's some other good uh, websites where you know it shuts off immediately, then it's not me trying to control where all the technology is in the house, but I know it'll be shut off and, and safe regardless of where it is. So that's where there's just, I think, room for families to do it differently, knowing what the needs are. Hmm. Yeah, again, that, that's really helpful. And just kind of the, the broader principle here is, you know, parents coming alongside their children, uh, teaching them this, you know, stewardship, knowing these children are going to leave the home eventually, and they're going to have this technology with them. And so um, if they have years of practice under their belts, by God's grace, I mean, that will have them, you know, equipped to deal with this. I mean, still going to be a challenge, uh, but, but helpful right. um, as well. So, Julie, a lot of good stuff there. Thanks again. You're welcome. 